I'm Savitra Wilson, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to my podcast, From Solid Ground to Resilient. In this episode, I'm discussing how I got my book deal. This month, I announced the upcoming release of my first book with the national publishing house, Wiley, entitled Resilient, How to Overcome Anything and Build a Million Dollar Business with or Without Capital, which is now available for pre-order. So go pick up a copy. I would love that. Uh, Thank you for the support in advance. Uh, So this idea of building a million dollar business and even more so becoming a millionaire are actually really different. It's been very ironic, to say the least, to go into Clubhouse rooms. If you aren't familiar with Clubhouse by now, it's a new audio app. Uh, And by new, I mean it launched in April of last year, 2020. Um, I got on in June, I believe. So there's kind of a running joke that every room is trying to teach aspiring entrepreneurs how to build a million-dollar business, perhaps maybe without certain individuals actually having done it. Um, And so I keep seeing these rooms uh, pop up on Clubhouse and all these memes around them. And in my head, I was like, what what is the chance that I actually have a book coming out that has been in place since June of 2020? And now, you know, all these rooms are popping up with a similar focus, but not ultimately uh, the same end goal. Uh, and so, yeah, the overarching idea of, yes, I uh, wanted to create more million dollar businesses that are actually run by entrepreneurs of color, black and brown entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs, is actually an important one, right? So this is actually really something that we should talk about money and how to build successful businesses. I mean, there is statistical facts that the more successful businesses in our demographic, the better our communities do um, from the ability to create jobs that are more likely to go to people that look like us um, to creating wealth. And that's really what people are trying to get at, right? So it's one thing to create a million dollar business, but it's another thing entirely to actually build wealth. Um, so, you know, now if the school band that little Jimmy plays in needs some instruments, they can go to Big Jimmy and ask for sponsorship dollars to purchase them, right? Because now Big Jimmy has created a business um, and he can't afford to purchase them. So the idea that um, by way of businesses, we also want to create wealth in our communities um, is something that is real and tangible. Uh, Yet, even with this, all million dollar businesses aren't created the same. When we look at the rise of black owned businesses by black women, for example, the average medium of those businesses are less than 40K a year. So overall, they're making less than 40K a year. Um, What I don't like about the clubhouse chats is that folks make it seem so easy, like step one, step two. This this isn't that. I will tell you from personal experience, the road to a million in sales isn't always so cut and dry or fast. And the road to a million in liquid cash and so liquidity or even assets isn't so cut and dry either. Um, I know from personal experience, it's actually really tough. When they say your first million is the hardest, they are not playing. Um, I go into further detail about this in my book. Um, walking the reader through my journey, building both of my companies, the mistakes I made, the stories. Oh, the stories. Yes, the stories. But more than anything, uh, resilient is about just that, having the resiliency to get up and keep going. Um, and 
the ability to just figure it out and put the right people around you um, to empower you to figure it out. And so that's why it's not surprising that these rooms on Clubhouse are some of the largest rooms because maybe they are going to drop a couple of gems along the way that might inspire or help you. And if they do, then more power to you. But I think just be mindful of um, this idea that it's a zero to 100 sum game. Um, anywho, I wanted to spend this episode talking about how I got my book deal. Um, then I thought to myself, there's probably no better way to talk about this than to bring on the person who actually introduced me to my publisher. Um, I will warn you, you aren't about to hear a story of me pitching and getting turned down by half a dozen publishing houses. For once, thank God, things came a little easier. Uh, don't we deserve that, right? For things to come just a little bit easier, to us because of the work we put in, because of the buildup, the years of just grinding it out. Um, yeah. And so the not easy part, I believe, is what led me uh, to this opportunity. Um, so let's get into the interview with my dear friend, Amber Cabral. So super excited to have someone who I am always continuously inspired by the work uh, that she does, um, by the person she is about the way and how she just reflects on not only her past, but how we see our future and how we see ourselves as a reflection of that. Uh, So for this episode, I want to introduce Amber Cabral. Uh, She is an inclusion strategist, certified coach speaker and author of Allies and Advocates, Creating an Inclusive, Equitable Culture, formerly a diversity strategist at Walmart Stores, Inc., as she founded Cabral Co., a diversity, equity, and inclusion leadership-focused consulting firm to help organizations ignite behavior shifts to create inclusive cultures. Amber also coaches and inspires high achievers to transform their passions into executable ideas and content. Uh, passionate about developing the next generation of decision makers, Amber serves on, on the executive board of nonprofit organizations committed to promoting diverse representation and empowering women and girls across the globe. Uh, she also speaks on a variety of inclusion, culture, and social justice topics. And through her work, she has been featured on television and both print and digital media. In her free time, because of course she has free time, uh, she hosts a podcast called You Can Have Whatever You Want and writes articles focused on inclusion, culture, equity, and working class life. Amber, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on and just to really freely talk about what you're working on. Um, Another reason to talk about your book, uh, how you came about your book deal. But what did I miss? What did I miss in that intro? You have a really good bio, by the way. It's very concise. Thank you. Thank you. It it feels very long to me, (laughs) but... Um, I don't think you missed anything. I don't know. Did Brown Girls Do Ballet come up? I, I mean, oh my gosh, yes. The only thing I could think of is I do chair an organization called Brown Girls Do Ballet. So that's the only thing I think I didn't hear. No, I I left that out, and that's one of uh, has been my favorite organization. Before I uh, even met you, I was following uh, their Instagram page and all the work they were doing with girls. Uh, so amazing. So on top of everything else she does, she is also uh, a chairperson for that nonprofit as well. And so I really want to just start with 
what's the latest that you're working on? Um, I know that has to do with your book. Um, but in addition to that, what else are you working on, and particularly how you're looking at 2021? Yeah, I love that question, um, mostly because I have been doing that most recently, trying to figure out how to put this year on the right trajectory, as you will. Um, so what I'm working on right now is actually getting the business that I do, which is, as you mentioned, inclusion and diversity strategist, which means I support a lot of organizations. And right now that means a lot of training and conversations and like, how do we talk about this difficult stuff that's been happening in the world? And now all of a sudden it's at our jobs. Like I'm trying to put the business in the position of being able to support more people without wearing us out and also making sure that my clients understand the importance of centering health, rest, and well-being. I think that 2020 wore everybody out and I'm still hearing about it. I'm still feeling it personally. And so I'm seeing a, just even with all the self-care posts that are happening online and just all the conversations about, you know, take care of you, center you, what are you doing for yourself? I'm recognizing that that is also a part of creating equity. That is also a part of creating spaces where people feel a sense of inclusion, a sense of belonging, seeing safe, heard, you know, all of those things. And so I'm working to embed those into the way we do our business. I think some of it's been there anyway, but that's probably my biggest focus for 2021 is making sure that people understand that you can, you can fight social injustices. You can um, push back against inequity. You can create space for differing identities and all of those wonderful things. And you can still not have to be exhausted. And Absolutely. So, yeah. So I'm trying to make room for that this year. So that's the newest thing. And then, of course, um, you know, I'm doing a lot around the book, which, as you mentioned, is called Allies and Advocates. And um, that title is intended to tell you exactly what the book is about, <laughs> because right now we all need some allies and advocates. If you are a person of color, especially a black person, particularly a black woman, and if you happen to be a trans black woman, especially, we all need little allies and advocates in our life. And so the book is intended to be a digestible, reasonable, accessible way to understand what those terms mean and how you can action on them in your life. Even if your job isn't on board, even if your community is not on board, what you independently um, are able to exercise so that you can start making an impact um, and shifting this, this culture and narrative that we're living in today. And I was fortunate to have, and my team, very fortunate to have you on um, this past December as a guest. And I told you this, you were one of the highest ranked guests that we had uh, during our retreat. Um, and someone was talking about your session just this week. So, <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Because <laughs> they're like, you know, we're trying to build this culture. And as Amber said, you know, and so <laughs> I just love that it just truly resonated with our team. Uh, and something that I asked you during that retreat was how do you explain the difference between an ally and an advocate? And that was also when we sent out surveys that definition and how you define the differences between the two kept resonating with people. Cause I think people was like, well, man, I thought I was an advocate, but maybe I'm actually more of an ally and I need to move over to being an advocate. So yeah. how would you kind of explain that to uh, those who are listening on this call so that they know the difference between the two? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it is a difference. Um, and so I like to start off first by telling people like we need both. So if you are an ally, I still need you. Um, but you should also want to be an advocate and there are varying points where you will be one or the other or both at the same time. So an ally is someone who is interested in recognizing their own privilege and saying, let me look around and see who are the marginalized identities, who are the people that are not like me that experience privilege different than I do. So that you can then say, let me extend my privilege to you. Let me, you know, connect to you and get to know you and understand your experience so that as I navigate my day-to-day life, I have a better sense of awareness around how what I may be experiencing and what you're experiencing are different. And I be able may be able to create some space for you to have a different, better experience. That's what an ally does. And then when you're thinking about about an advocate, an advocate protects, dismantles, interrupts. Like an advocate is actively saying, I am going to get in the way of this process because it creates safety issues for this person. It's fine for me, but it's not okay for this other person. Or I am going to challenge this idea because I can see how this might be a problem for this particular group of identities, right? Um, I am going to be purposeful about putting myself in the way so that this creates safety for someone else. And so being an advocate is more about how do I break the system down? How do I interrupt the process? How do I affect the actual things that are happening, right? The procedures, the processes, the structures where allyship is about the people. It's about, you know, how do I connect with this person? How do I understand their identity? How do I make room for them? And so they're different in that way. And we need both. I need folks that are willing to say, wait a minute, you know, my privileges and what I have access to look a little different than what you have. But I also need people that are going to say, wait, as a result of that, I can see how this process is going to be a problem for you. Now it's working for me, but let me go in here and say, let's evaluate the way this works. Cause look at all these people that we're leaving out because we are not actually breaking this system down and doing it in a way that is going to accommodate different identities. And so that's the difference between the two. And I try to make sure I made that really explicit in the book too, because I do think people get really confused about the two words. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I read the book and I just felt that you did such a great job Whereas by the reader could really decipher and understand not only what you were saying, but also how they can enact that change and make this a part of whether it be be uh, being an ally and even to those who are close to them, right? Sometimes people lack being even allies and advocates to the people closest to them. And then, you know, here we are saying we need to be also to advocate for these other people that you may or may not know, but who need um, advocating for. And so I really feel that your book does a great job in um, having a very clear path of not only what items and things mean um, in our daily walk, but how we can look at this from a more natural, even global view, um, and then how we look at ourselves as well. And so, yeah, I think that anyone who, regardless of race, right, because I think sometimes you could have books like this, and people are like, oh, okay, well, you know, white people need to read this. Yeah. I think it's something that, irregardless of race, uh, irregardless of sex, that everyone can benefit from this book. Yeah, that um, was purposeful too. Like I, I, as a black woman, did not want to write a book that black people could not pick up and get something from. And so I wanted it to be a book that you could reference as a resource and say, okay, what's the best way for me to approach this if I am the marginalized identity? So I wanted it to be good for those folks, just as well as the people who are not necessarily marginalized, creating spaces to make sure that they're doing the labor. Because honestly, for any of this to work, 
we both got to do our part on both sides. And so I wanted to make sure that the book presented it in a way that tools were giving to everyone, everyone, regardless of where you fail. So in addition to coming out with this book, um, let's take a few steps back because I have already told uh, my audience that I have a book coming out um, in March. So a couple of weeks from now, um, what I did not tell them how excruciating the writing process was and how I completely underestimated it. Um, and so I would love to just talk a little bit about the writing process and putting all of your thoughts and all of your years and years of work, right? Uh, your lessons, your experiences uh, into this book to deliver it to us, right? To us readers. Um, I, for one, um, am very just like mindful of how intentional I am about, okay, are the individuals who are reading this going to get something of value, um, how they're going to be able to use this and repurpose this? Um, can they grow from reading this book? Um, and so I definitely, I second guessed myself on this. I, you know, took longer to do certain chapters. I went back and completely rewrote chapters. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, that's a great, great question um, because I had never written a book before. So you at least had the benefit of having written something before, but I had never Ooh, written. It was different though. It was different. I'm sure it was different, but this was like, wait, you want what done? So, um, and then I had a compressed time frame because my topic was hot. So they were like, listen, we want to write your book on a compressed schedule. And in fact, we don't usually do books this quickly, but we want this book in 30 days. And I was like, I need 45 at least. And they were like, okay, so let's do 45. So the way I, the approach that I took, the very first thing I did to try to figure it out was let me go back and pull recordings of courses that I've taught. And like, I put them into like, what do you call it? Like Timmy or one of those machines that pulls the words out and to see like how many words were in a 90 minute session. And I'll say that it wasn't enough for a book. <laughs> so I was like, okay. That's you gave me that tip, right? Yeah. You gave me the tip to like go back and read stuff that I had written. And you're right. I, it wasn't nearly it's not enough. enough. It's not enough. But what it did do, because I facilitate so often, was it at least gave me like, okay, what are the pillars, right? And what are the things I was able to play back in my brain, particularly because I do facilitate, facilitate so much. What are the things that like really grabbed people that I hear back about a lot? How can I build the book around that? And so what I ended up doing, first of all, my book is probably about a third of what I teach most of the time. It's it's the, the core stuff. And so what I did is the things that are core that I think are the most popular that people ask for the most, I took those, I pulled the words out and then I pulled out like, what are the themes? And then I just started like typing everything I could think of around those things. And then once I realized I still was like 20 or 30,000 words short, I was like, okay, what am I missing that's different from facilitating live to reading or writing a book for someone to read. And so what I started to notice is like the author's voice doesn't come to life the same way. So like when we're talking, you hear my tone of voice, you feel my energy, you can sense all those things. But like in a writing situation, I have to like frame that up with language. I have to, you know, put something around it so that you get that same feeling because I wanted the book to feel like 
mine. Like, not like, oh, here is this word dump, but like it was meaningful, impactful, you know, the same way I think people experience my training. And so I went back and started putting words around that. And so finally I hit my word count and then I went over like 2000 words and I was like, seriously. And so I, when I finally kind of got to the point where I was done, um, you know, then you get the developmental editor that comes in. That's like, well, you should move this section before this. And then you reference this before that. And you should say something about this. So I had like that happening at the same time as I had literally just gotten it all out. And so, um, it was super helpful because I don't think I could have done that on my own just because it was so much labor to get things out. But I used everything. I went back through Instagram stories. You know, I told you to do that too. I was like, go back and look at your yes. own Instagrams. Like, you know, because yes. there's content everywhere and you just don't even realize that it's just like oozing out of your pores, especially if it's the thing you do. And so it's like this one little nugget that I posted on Instagram would end up being like three paragraphs. And so that I leveraged that to get this book out. Now the next one, I don't, I, I don't. Everybody keeps thinking it's gonna be a next one. I've kind of sort of committed to there being another one, but this one was so hard and so quick. I, I need at least a year <laughs> between. Absolutely. <my> yeah, <laughs> and I agree with that. I was like, okay. I thought about like writers who they this is their career, right? They're career writers, and even they take like a year to write a book and like formalize it. And so I had to kind of a little bit get out of my head. I'm like, okay, you're actually taking your work, right? And so this is your life's work and things that you have done and learned along the way. And you're trying to transform this into a book. Um, and so I had to, at some point, like, okay, you are not a career writer. And so you need to stop just hone every little thing, right? I'm like, oh man, that's not good enough. I need to do this and do that. I'm like, okay, let me just get out of my own head and start just writing um, and getting out like, okay, these are things I know. These are the outlines of like different chapters. Um, if I were on the other side of things, what would I want to hear about? What are the questions I get asked most? And so really trying to put that in there uh, in a way that was just like constructive to a book, um, and so I also thought that it was really interesting about how you came about your book deal and feel that it was just very much so this idea of like you just do the work, you know, you, you that the work that you do is uh, quality and it attracts people. Right. And um, who you are attracts people. Um, and uh, as I mentioned before, Amber is the reason why I got my book deal. And so thank you, Amber, for thinking of me. And there's just so many elements in here, like. Black women supporting other Black women, um, creating more Black authors, um, feeling that the people that you introduce are going to hold it down for you, right? And so there's so many elements in yeah. the process of this, but would love to hear you uh, just talk about how you got introduced to a publisher. I know it wasn't typically... Um, the natural framework, right? Because usually you've got to have a literary uh, agent. You had someone pitching on, on your behalf. Um, so yeah, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so that, to your point, um, I do think, and I tell people all the time, like at some point you got to commit to doing the hard part of the work. The thing that you're, you know, you want the most, the thing that you are head over heels dreaming about, that you lust after, it is dead smack in the middle of the labor. So you got to get in the labor. And so um, I spent the last few years in my business doing the labor. And, you know, it's a whole other story how this business even came about because I didn't know this is what I was doing either. But um, I, I wrote a course, basically. I wrote a course. I had a client that hit me up kind of last minute even was like, I need you to talk about allyship. 
And I was like, okay, you know, and I wrote a course for them. We hashed out what we thought would work well. And I sold it once and then twice. And the next thing I know, you know, George Floyd happens and I've sold this course 20 times in like two weeks. And so I was like, what's happening? (laughs) And so my team and my business manager were like, you need to do an outward facing version of this. Like everybody's talking about it. It needs to be discussed publicly. And I'm like, ain't nobody about to pay for that. You know, they're going to go out on Instagram, <laughs> read a little, you know, so you want to learn about racism, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, that's what they're going to do. So I'm like, nobody's going to buy this, but I did it anyway. We ran our, you know, first little social ads or I don't know, I think like 30 or 35 people or something like signed up. And, um, Almost everybody came too. So like folks came and we went through and did the course. And it just so happened that one of the people who signed up was my acquisitions editor. Y'all, there are editors out here looking to make authors. I did not know that. (laughs) Okay. So that was news to me. And she signed up for this course of her own accord. Like not even like I'm looking for an author, just this is a topic that interests me and I'd like to sign up. So she signed up. Um, Janine, if you're listening, we're talking about you. Like we (laughs) are. Um, and so she, uh, she sent me a note on Instagram, like immediately after like, Hey, I just attended this course. It was amazing. Um, I need to talk to you. I want to know if you've ever thought about writing a book and anyone who knows me. And for those of you who are getting to know me, like I've always wanted to be an author has been a like childhood dream of mine. I had no idea what a book that I would write would even be about. I knew I was a pretty good writer, but I just wasn't sure like how that would come to life. So like I did a backflip in my brain, like what the heck, right? So we get on the phone and we have this conversation. And by the end of the call, she's like, listen, I'm going to send you an email. I need you to answer some questions. I'm going to, you know, go ahead and pitch this book. And a week later, I had a contract to send to my lawyers to review and a few days after that, I had signed for a book to be done and I started working on it. About two weeks in, she and I getting to know each other because um, Janine is pretty hands on. I don't know how other acquisitions editors are. Janine's pretty hands on. She's pretty helpful. Mm-hmm. She ended up reaching out to me and saying, hey, um, do you know any other black women that you think would be good authors? And I was like, I know a lot of amazing black women. Do you have any subjects? Like, you know, right. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm actually looking for someone that's on this topic. And it was kind of about like starting and growing a business. And I immediately thought of you. Like I was like, Savitri would be perfect for this. So then I sent you the note and, you know, she was like, I sent her your Instagram first. And she was Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, perfect. Yes. Right. And so then I sent you the note and then boom, it just kind of happened from there. And there were a couple other people I've even, you know, tried to send to her as well. Just give her visibility to, because what I appreciate about her um, she was very honest. Like she was very much like, this is a pretty white world. Most Mm -hmm. of the people that I have brought on to write books have been white people. There's a lot of white people that write books. Um, I think this is really important. I see the direction the world is going in and I'd like to be a part of making a change in that. And honestly, that is advocacy. That's it. Right. That's it. It was like, oh my God, like here, this woman is like doing the thing, you know what I'm saying? Which for me was further incentive to be like, yeah, it's hard as hell. Don't agree to write a book in 45 days. Like I did, (laughs) but you know, like it, it was incentive though. Like it was like, I, I want to make good on you making this level of commitment and not just to me, but also then coming to me and saying, I respect you in your work enough to ask you like, who's in your 
network that I don't have visibility and access to that might also be someone else that mm-hmm. get this opportunity. So you're so you're not just advocating for me. You're trying to advocate for somebody else too. Let me send you somebody else, you know? And so that's that's how you 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 and her got connected. And now you have a book coming out. Yes, <laughs> that is how it happened. That is how it happened. And you know, it's so true. I think that particularly when I was having a conversation, I was thinking back to Black women who have books with major publishing houses on business, right? How to start companies. And it's just so few and so far in between. And I think about that. uh, And when I think about the books that I have on business and how the majority of them are written by white men um, or men in general, right? Men of color, but men in general. And there just aren't enough books um, about these individual um, disciplines that we have so much experience to write. And so I agree. I am very um, just happy to see Wiley and those who are working, you know, in the realm come out and say, okay, we're going to put a stake in the ground and actually push for this yeah. uh, because you could push and advocate for, but somebody other end has to say yes. And you right. know, so it's a, it takes a whole uh, army of people to make something happen. Yeah. Um, and so that is just, it speaks to the, the allies and advocates um, part of everything that we essentially have to go through to get a yes. And yeah. particularly if you're black women. Yeah. Um, yeah. It takes, it definitely takes um, a, a tribe for sure. It does. It does. And, and I think that, I, I mean, hats off, you know, to that, that effort, because that, that is what advocacy is about. It's about, this doesn't work for other folks. So like, how can I get in the way of it and make it so that it works? And um, I, I think as my book, you know, continues, as your book comes out and as, you know, we continue to make an impact because we will right on the, on the people we encounter, those that pick up the book, um, it's going to just create additional opportunity for folks to say like, wait a minute, we need to find us a black woman who's done blah, 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 you know, and get her to write a book about this. And, you know, I think it also speaks to the idea that like black women just have a really unique perspective to offer. And, and it's taken a long time for people to recognize that, but we insert our soul into our work. And so we have a lot of identity things and a lot of just, I don't know, careful and sensitive perspective that comes from doing work in an environment that you haven't necessarily been invited to. And that's going to show up in your book as well. And like, that's going to sell the book, you know? So I, I mean, hats off to, you know, folks starting to get on board and waking up and creating space for this to happen. Cause I think it's really necessary. And I think it's going to be a benefit on both sides. Absolutely. So as we kind of come to end, I, we could probably talk all day about a whole bunch of different things, but, <laughs> but it is the beginning of the year. I know we have so much on our plates and I appreciate you so much for just joining me here and talking about your book, what you have going on, as well as kind of how you um, got to this point. Um, and so when we think about allies and advocates what are some just like key things you want people to take away or any tidbits that you want to, to leave our uh, listeners? Yeah. So a couple of things that I think are really important. I think we spent 2020 doing a lot of learning, a lot of conversation about, you know, what is allyship? What does advocacy mean? What is racism? You know, how does it show up? How does it impact black identity? Oh my gosh. Racism also impacts other people too. Like, you know, it's, 
it's been a lot of just learning. Um, and there are a lot of resources that are available for that. What I would like 2021 to be is like people actually taking action and not feeling like they need this outside permission for it. And so the messaging that, you know, myself, my team and the clients that I support are going to be a part of is going to be more about like, right. So how can you be an advocate right now for that? How can you show up in this moment? What are the right questions to be asking instead of, you know, um, oh, what's an ally or what's performative allyship? All of which you can find in my book. You know, what I'm ready to have happen are conversations that go, you know, okay, how am I showing up as an advocate here? How am I, you know, making sure that when I see someone that is um, in the midst of performative allyship or advocacy, I challenge them to move forward? What does that sound like? How am I having the brave conversations with the folks that are closest to me? Because if you can talk to grandma or uncles or cousins, mm-hmm. it's real easy to address your coworkers, right? So right. like those tough conversations going. And so um, what I'm trying to really push for this year is that kind of dialogue. And so I want to challenge challenge people to do that. Like ask the tough questions, um, bring about the tough ideas. If you feel like you don't know, please go out and grab my book. It'll give you all the foundation. It'll even give yes. you the questions to ask. And so um, that's the thing I'd like to to kind of leave people with. But And then also the other thing is know that you're going to get it wrong. There's no perfect 10. I make mistakes. I've made mistakes on recordings and videos and Instagram lives and all of that. We're all learning. We're all people. We're all different. And there is no universal way to get it right. And so if you do nothing else, at least be willing to say, oh, I messed that up and apologize for it. So Mm -hmm. those are probably the two biggest things that I want people to know. First things first, you got to actually do the work. And second, if you're really doing the work, you're going to mess it up a little bit. So be ready to say, I'm sorry when that happens. Absolutely. And no, I agree with everything you said. And I think about all these big headlines that came out in 2020, all these big announcements, um, people scrambling, you know, like, okay, who can I help? Like, who do you know who is a black person? Right. It was just so much in 2020. And now in 2021, I know I'm looking back like, okay, how are you going to put this to work? You know, what's the receipts? (laughs) Exactly. Where are the receipts? You know, what does this look like over the next several years? Exactly. Um, because it was a lot of movement in 2020. But to your point, now it's about the action and what are we going to see next um, from people inside of their companies, organizations, um, to, from the government, yep. our president, you know, yep. everybody wants to, you know, Black women are kind of in the space where we are now, maybe people feel that, oh, now it's our time. Um, And I think even that is still, there's so much left to be said. So much left to be said. Agreed. We got to be in a lot more positions of power and and have a lot more change in um, our family household incomes. We're paid. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done. I need need some receipts too. (laughs) Right. All of us. (laughs) And we're coming for them. 2021, here we come. There you go. Okay, so to leave here, I want you to tell me where they can find you, um, where they can find your book, your podcast. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, so the simplest way, if you kind of want to get a hold of all that stuff, is just to go to my personal website, which is ambercabral.com. 
Um, I'm pretty sure you'll drop that in the show notes. Um, if you're interested in the book, it's Allies and Advocates. You can find that on Amazon. You can go to alliesandadvocates.com and you can purchase it there. And then if you just want to follow me on the socials, because some people have this weird atta- attachment to my voice, <laughs> I get a lot of feedback about my voice. Um, or you just kind of want to, you know, check out something else that I'm a part of. You can either, um, hop over to my Instagram and I'm at Bam Cabral. That's Bam like Bam Bam. Or you can listen to my podcast, which is called You Can Have Whatever You Want. Yes. Amber has a much better podcast voice than I do. So (laughs) I am too obsessed with your voice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you, Amber. I'm so happy that we were able to just chop it up for a little bit and super excited to have you on my first official episode of um, From Solid Ground to Resilient. Yay! So excited about this. I can't wait to listen to some more. Thank you. And you can follow us. Uh, We have created a true partnership with our friends over at ABF Creative. Um, Also, you can follow me on social media at Sabitra Wilson. So until next time, see you guys later. Thanks for listening to From Solid Ground to Resilient with me, your host, Savitra Wilson. If you like this show, subscribe, listen, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This helps us reach more people like yourselves, risk takers, entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and the likes. Also, be sure to visit SavitraWilson.com and sign up for my newsletter. There you can download everything from my actual pricing sheets to pitch decks, capability statements, and more. All to help you get your entrepreneur wheels turning and your business growing. To learn more about my show and listen to all my podcast episodes, go to abfc.co backslash shows. Until next time, remember, even if no one sees it for you, you have to see it for yourself. Let your work be a testament to your grit, gratitude, passion, persistence, and most importantly, resiliency. Thank you.